Honey, this isn't real. You know what it is? It's St. Elmo's Fire. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the weirdness. Why are we wearing bras on our heads? The history. Live Aid. We're coming together. And the simple pleasures. All I need some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? She lost a job? Jules, I've lost 20 of them since graduation. Kev, you've got a problem. Mm. You're gay, and you're madly in love with Alec. No Springsteen is leaving this house. You can have all the Carly sign. Do you ever feel like you're not accomplishing anything at all? <laughs> I think I'm in touch with that emotion. Can I just start one podcast without a no. guttural you can't. moan or it's wail? It's impossible. That's going to make out your moans. Boogada boogada smash. Uh, if you can't tell already, this is Steve Spears with TimBB.com. <laughs> and if we're all this upset and riled up, we must be talking about St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. I just want to smash your face. I want to smash it. Smash it. Both Sean and I, a little violent over this movie. Yes. True. <laughs> let, let me ask you both. Do you ever feel like you've not accomplishing anything at all? Um, you mean besides right at this moment? <laughs> it, was, it was going for 37 years. It was going good except for right now. Right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jesus, oh. I want to hit somebody. I want to hit them. <laughs> I'm going to. All right, go ahead. Oh. This actually is one of the most widely requested topics for us to yes, cover in a podcast. And is. so we all sat down over the last three or four days to, oh. to rewatch the movie for the yes. first time and probably... You know, four or five years. Maybe. Oh, for me, it was closer to 20. Sorry. No. Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't like this movie when it first the, came the out. The Forever Fiance, she loves this movie. Yeah. And the other night, I just went, I just want to fish her. I hit it. And she's like, will you shut up? Go in the other room. I'm like, no, I got to watch this I got to watch she's it. She's like, it's yeah. a good movie. It's fun. I just, I just, hit, hit. Fire, fire, <laughs> fire, fire. So 1985. Yes. Joel Schumacher decides to write St. Elmo's Fire. Yes. Which is what we're listening to today. This is his follow-up, I might add, to DC Cab. DC Cab. <laughs> so as much as you might not like this movie, just remember how much better it is than yes. his previous work. He's obviously- yeah, I think I had the soundtrack to DC Cab. I think there's an Irene Cara song on there. I think so, Sorry. too. Sorry there's a lot of people actually who like DC Cab, so I shouldn't diss it too much. Yeah. But uh, So this movie comes out, and um, I think it's widely credited with creating the term the Brat Pack. Am I? Yes. David Bloom actually... Um, from New York Magazine interviewed the actors of the film and he came up with the term Brat Pack. Which I think everyone pretty much universally hated um, among the Brat Pack. Um, I know John Hughes always (laughs) objected to it. He thought it was a nasty thing to say. I believe that Sean Penn referred to it as a condescending load of bleep. I'm not sure if that meant crap or but um, if it's Sean Penn, I'm assuming Well, I don't think I don't think it's that condescending. Do you, Sean? Brat Pack? Yeah. 
I know it was condescending. Is that, is that the cool kids called my group of friends the Fat Pack? In yeah, well, that's school. exactly how he came up with and the I, term. I just want to hit I want to hit him. That's how he came up with the term. His friend, he was talking about while he was writing the story and while he was interviewing him, his friend made some comment to the Fat Pack and he went. Ding, ding, ding. It was all because call they the called me fatback. It was all because I um, showered with my t-shirt on after gym. Didn't everybody do that? <laughs> I didn't. Weren't that's a whole nother podcast topic. We didn't. We didn't actually. I, I'll have to get into this because we were actually talking about this the other day here. Because I think they're talking about doing away with PE here in Florida now. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! And not a moment too, too soon. soon. But one of the things that I remember vividly the about the early eighties is that uh, you know you pay a certain amount of money per semester for your towel service at your gym. And uh, oh, I'm sorry, Mister. I went to Countryside. We didn't have a towel service. Well, boo friggin' who for you in <laughs> South Pinellas? <laughs> But we pay for our towel service, but we get, and they must have been from South Pinellas because they, they seemed like they'd been sitting on a truck for oh, seven days. We didn't days. even get towels. We had to bring nasty. our own. They smelled worse. That you'd be better off going to class smelling like you just ran a marathon than you would be taking a shower and using one of these towels. So, so wait, when you, you really took showers after PE, and uh, I was just kind of joking about no, that. No, no, seriously. I was just going yeah. like. Senora Bricker's Spanish class smelling like a goat. Yeah. But so you would shower with your actually, high school friends? Yeah. yeah. And you'd see their. Everything. Yep. <laughs> wow. Speaking of which, back to Schumacher. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Puppies. Anyway, we need to move on. Yeah, back to Saint Almost Fire. Would you like to do a little recap, Steve, of the? No, uh, I absolutely would plot? not. There, there, no. Here's, here's How my many point. friends. Are there seven? Seven. Four guys. Three, three girls. Three girls. All graduated from Georgetown. Although. About four months earlier. Not filmed at Georgetown. No, University of Maryland. And do you know why? Because they don't have sororities or fraternities. And? And probably Georgetown said, hell no, Smokey. Because Georgetown is run by Jesuits. Yeah. And I was going to say, uh, hell, yeah. We didn't like Well, they probably didn't say hell no then. Well, here's what's interesting. And if you watch the DVD commentary, you learn this from Schumacher. He went to Georgetown and he asked, can we please film this here? And they said, no. Um, We don't like the script. There's premarital sex. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, wait a minute. Not you, the drug use? <laughs> you, allowed, you allowed The Exorcist to be filmed here, and The Exorcist has a little girl uh, spouting out all sorts of profanity and using, yeah, but uh, she wasn't using a crucifix prim- in a very interesting manner. No kidding. But that was the devil. But their reasoning was, but in the end, God triumphs over the devil, and we're not so sure that happens in St. Elmo's Fire. I know God didn't triumph <laughs> over evil at the end of St. Elmo's Fire, because you made me watch it again. <laughs> so I know there's no God. Oh he has it up me. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, this is a heavy podcast. I'd rather talk about Steve's wing. Uh, no, no. <laughs> anyway, happening. so they graduated about four months, and then well, the whole gone. movie starts with them walking away in graduation. Are you saying that, that Saint Elmo's Fire is proof that there is no God? I think it's proof that there's I no life. I think I did just say that, didn't I? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's proof that there's no life after graduation, and I think. When I first saw it in 1985... Except for Alec. That's Well, no, but when I first saw it in 1985, it came out just after I graduated from high school, and I think I had just started college. And so you know, here you have the four really? greatest years of your life in front of you, and then a movie like this comes out, basically saying, enjoy yourself because in four years your life's about to end. Yeah. And I remember going back to my friend's driveway, and there's like six of us that had just seen the movie, and we're sitting around on my uh, 1982 white Mustang... And and just being depressed out of our minds because here we'd gone to this movie thinking it's gonna be like a oh, yeah. Ferris Bueller Breakfast Club kind of fun thing and, and it's not it's not it's but why horrible. because I mean I watched the trailer and the trailer wasn't necessarily funny 
It didn't make uh, you know, because I think the characters. Why? Because of the characters. Because, the characters. because you thought it was going to be. Oh, here's it's Emilio the, Estevez. It's, the it's the Rob Pack. Lowe. I mean, you know, you're thinking it's going to be a fun movie, and and what you come out of it with is this horrible depression. I remember we were all just sitting there, just bummed. I mean, it really, it really took us down. And then. <laughs> I don't think I was allowed. Okay, so I wouldn't have been allowed to see this. I wouldn't here's have been the thing, the, allowed to see this because I wasn't old enough because it was rated R. Here's what drives me is the arrogance of this movie. The arrogance of this movie can be summed up in, in the final scene where Rob Lowe busts into the uh, um, Demi into Moore's Jules, room, Jules' yeah. room, and he gives his little talk. Oh, we, heard a little little. Bit, we heard a little bit of talk in the beginning, but he has this moment where he's talking to Jules about what, what they're all going through, and Rob Lowe looks into the camera. camera. Does he? And he says, we're all going, going through this. this. And he gives a little, <laughs> a little smirk, a smile. And it's like, are you kidding me, Schumacher, the director? I mean, he really was trying, thinking that he was making a statement, like the movie of the generation, like it was The Graduate or something. Oh, yeah. We're all going through this. Oh, I we're living. It's our it's our time <laughs> on the edge. Yeah, and then he actually looks in the camera and does this little <laughs> this little smile, like I'm here to embrace. You know, you. I missed that because I was so vomiting. Well, that and I was so frightened by that clown in the background. Oh, the the cl- only thing left in her apartment is that freaky, scary-looking well, clown. Well, there is a clown. Yeah, yeah the poltergeist clown. Yeah, I didn't need it's the that. poltergeist clown. Yeah, no kidding. It's like we're here's here's a since we're talking about the ending first, which makes no sense, but yeah. neither does uh-huh. this entire episode. Let's talk about the fact that Rob Lowe's explanation of what Sandal's fire is is not even accurate. In itself. No, it's not. Like you couldn't have done a little research beforehand to figure that out when you're writing the screenplay. It, it's not. It's totally false. Honey, this isn't real. You know what it is? It's Saint Elmo's fire. Electric flashes of light that appear in dark skies out of nowhere. (laughs) Sailors would guide entire journeys by it, but the joke was on them there was no fire. There wasn't even a St. Elmo. They made it up. They made it up because they thought they needed it to keep them going and things got tough. Just like you're making up all of this. It is not a light that appears in the sky. It was a no. light that appeared on the mast of a ship. On the mast of the ship. And it does not guide them, which is what he said it was. It, it, it just, actually causes them to not be able to chart their course. Correct. So, yeah. I, I've always thought that this wasn't the greatest movie of the 80s, but it had the greatest style. It had, oh, it had, it had a feel Steve, for it. it you had, are drinking it, the St. Elmo's No, Kool-Aid. no. It had a style to it. That, that's what made, that makes people enjoy it. I mean, it's the setting... It's the characters, and it's it's for the first time in, in the movies from the '80s. You see characters that are not only, you know, they're a little bit more complex. I mean, you have character of Alec, you know, played by uh, Judd Nelson. Oh, will you just for once not use as the excuse for not marrying me your goddamn career? He's not a simple character to understand. He's not a bad guy. In fact, he's probably the most responsible person in the movie. But yet, he's- but really, no moral compass. But normal, but he, yeah, he drills some broad in a lingerie shop. No, yeah, but no. I'm saying, but still, he's still no the most responsible. Compass, no. So he's, he's, he's got a little mo- bit yeah. of both. Well, he, 
he gives the illusion of responsibility, yeah. I think, better I think than anyone well, else. I think guy's a creep. <laughs> I think he's demonic. Jeez. I think you're embracing I, the, I think you're embracing <laughs> this movie because it is an, one of the ultimate relics of the 80s. Oh, totally. It's a direct reflection, even the making of it, the the pompousness, thinking you're deep when in fact you're not, which is the whole point of the 80s. Well, no. yeah. oh, was was yeah. this was the shallow this intellectualism. Sh- yes, the self-absorption, <laughs> the Oh yeah, oh, no. so I'm thinking where, to embrace yeah. it that way is great, but you're actually trying to to retain artistic merit. I, I still, which is just Flabbergasting to me. I still enjoy watching it. I still enjoy wow, watching it. Wow, I don't know if I'd go that far. Before we get too deep into the idea of, you know, is this an 80s relic or is this, you know, truly a worthy movie from the 80s, let me, let me propose this idea. Let's go back and look at the seven main characters one by one and, and, and talk about them. How does, how's that sound? That's fine. <laughs> but again, by doing this. You're saying you're you're putting the artistic merit on it, but let's do it. Let's go through. Come on, let's go through. Go ahead, fire I'll at trash me. You know all. who my entry character is? I'll tell you right now. The the limo driver, Kirby Kerbo, that woman who's like fed up oh. with the whole thing. I love her. But anyway, go you ahead. Love her. She was so. <laughs> and then, but then throwback to Mary Stuart Masterson and uh, the limo driver? some kind of wonderful. Yeah, I love her. Yeah. This was this would have been before She's that movie. Hot. So that's kind of interesting. Did she passed out. The uh, yeah, but it was written at the same time. Well, let's talk about okay. Emilio Estevez first because he actually had okay. top billing in this. Um, he, yes, did. he did. He, he was did. the biggest star. He was the, the biggest, biggest star, star coming right out of Breakfast Club. So he plays Keen Kirby Keeger. And what's interesting about him? Okay, does anybody sympathize with this character? No. I find him a bit delusional, but I can find some empathy for him. I even think he's a really a three D character. It's totally two D character. Yeah, right? he's probably the one character I think you could lose from this movie. Yeah, he got short shrift. Actually on the, uh, I think writing. it was probably one of the more interesting. I think it needed to be beefed up and you could have gotten rid of Andrew McCarthy, but that's just me. Ooh, I'll disagree about that. In oh, a second. I know you love Here we go. him, but let me, oh. let me let me mention some about Emilio okay. Estevez that, that Schumacher had. He mentioned. had I thought the best lines too, so there are several quintessential moments in a man's life. Losing his virginity Getting married, becoming a father, and having the right girl smile at you. It, the, the best thing about the one thing about Emilio is his story. The studio wanted to cut out completely. They did not like the idea of him being, you know, obsessed with uh, the the Andy McDowell character, and they argued with Schumacher to cut the entire story out of what, the movie. But it, what was their explanation for that? They just thought it was inappropriate. They just thought it was uh, oh, because a, but, they, and they thought it wasn't. It didn't relate to the other characters, and and, and to that degree, they're right. There is no interaction, really, from that story with the rest of the movie. I mean, yeah, because it was party at the end. Yeah, but they really don't. You know, it, it, you could lose it, and you wouldn't really hurt the movie. You know, I finally like the guy Except in his, in his last moment. Well, his last moment with this storyline is when he kisses Dale Beaverman, and they take the picture. Yeah, he takes her to any hands. Hands it to, it to her. her. It was like, and then that's, he, yes, that, he that is a, that's a great moment. That's, that's really good. It's probably the only satisfying ending of any story line in the movie yeah yes yeah. absolutely and then he drives away and gives his little cackle and you yeah. really and you and just you know want to stand up and it. cheer for him yeah, yeah. yeah i like that i like that yeah. i like that part because and the funny thing is is that the first time kathy and i broke up remember oh i did the yeah. same thing to you i do yeah we kissed and mm-hmm. they took the picture and i handed it to you and then the second time we broke up you handed the picture back and that wasn't as funny but anyway it wasn't character number two rob Lowe. blinding white light skid Free impact. It was out of hand. It was a metaphysical precision collision. Oh my God! Can I? What a big fat freaking loser! Are you talking about the ending? 
I'm no, I'm talking about his entire <laughs> character, his entire movie in that. I, you know, I love the bad boys. You know, I love the guys in band. But hello, he plays the sax. Yeah, can you imagine going to that concert? Every yeah, song has like a five minute sax and solo. And I just don't get why Wendy is in love with them. He's a total loser. He's married, not taking care, cheating all over town. Is that Mayor Winningham's character's name, Wendy? Wendy. Did they even mention that in the movie? Yeah, because yeah, he always yeah. calls her Wen. 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 Well, here, Wen. Here's my take on... Here, here, oh, go ahead. And he's just a big... He, I, I can't even imagine him as a frat boy. That hair, too. Well, oh the hair doesn't... Oh, my God, the yeah. hair and the earring. I don't know anyone earring. who's ever had hair like that. Oh, yeah. The, okay, uh, in the 80s, no one had hair like no, that. No, nobody had Hello, hair. Hello, Joel Schumacher has hair like that. I don't know that. Hit him. No. Hit Steve. <laughs> These two are going to John Parr. Well, here's what, here's Hello, interesting. Schumacher like didn't that. even want Rob Lowe for this role. Well, he, that would have been. He, he wanted had Razzie for it. for it too. And, and the whole the whole saxophone thing was because at that time uh, Rob Lowe had this big obsession with Springsteen and Clarence Clemens, and that's where is it? Because yes. I heard he had to learn to play it. He did, but but he was a huge fan of Springsteen and Clemens in particular, and that's oh. why he really wanted that role. He wanted to be able to. Express that sort of, you know. I think it would have been better homage. if he was just so, like a guitarist. Uh, it's funny with me. this movie is that the, there is some there is some good writing in it, but I just found yeah. out that some of the, the the fastest writing is probably with McCarthy's character, which drives me crazy a bit. But I just yes. read somewhere that McCarthy's character, some of the uh, his lines were already written, or they borrowed some of his lines from another source. But let oh. me get back to Rob Lowe. That the Rob Lowe character is is really unevenly written. Yeah. the whole, are you still a virgin? It's like... I know. Guys, it's so sloppy sometimes the way they wrote that character to get the plot in motion that they, yes. they betray that Rob Lowe guy. You know? Do you know yeah. what I'm, Am I making sense? Oh, well, but, totally. I mean, he's... he's. It's like, are you still a virgin? Why are you asking that question? Why are you yeah, asking that question? We're supposed to see question? some story arc. Like, but, you're supposed to be changing. Why are you... And then all of a sudden she boinks him. Oh, he's, I know. He oh. does it again. Oh, my God. Because he asked for a going away present... It, which lousy. is her virginity, and she goes. And then he rapes, oh, he okay, rapes and he Jules, almost rapes he Jules. Jules. I mean, it's like, oh. come on. Okay, I gotta tell you, when you- that scene at the end, I wanted to. When she gave up her virginity to him, I wanted to go and take her head and smash it up against her brand smash new brick. It, fireplace in her it's- new apartment because is this Independence now? Yeah, or, and the did- scuba suit line. Like, I know okay. he would have will never you, been my call friend me a after fat that. Fat ass low, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, here, you know what? I'm still in love with you. <laughs> I know. I would have. I don't know. <laughs> okay, may I offer a sympathetic moment for Low? Okay, and it's this scene where he goes back to college and uh, meets up with his old frat buddies, and we hear this line right here. Troy, man, I was thinking that maybe I could I could get a job on campus. With the students, you know, at the fraternity, coaching, anything. Oh, yeah, we could use somebody like you around here, Billy. Really? Yeah, we need somebody to get us some good drugs, man. Ouch. Ouch for Rob Lowe right there. He finally kind of realizes that he doesn't have a compass, that maybe what he needs more than anything is to go back to college where he where he felt like he was a real person still. And kind of the only time you actually hear him bear his soul, sort of, and then... His fraternity brother doesn't even take him seriously and just throws out the whole drug line thing. I, I, you got to feel a little bit of sympathy for him there. No. No, me neither. He made his bed. You guys are some real bastards. Well, he made Let his bed. Let me allow what? a little sympathy for Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, he was misunderstood, yeah. too, and he went back to school. No. <laughs> Come on. No. Right, next I mean... character. Next character. Next character, Andrew McCarthy playing Kevin. Oh. <laughs> I enjoyed being afraid of Russia. 
It's a harmless fear, but it makes America feel better. Russia gets an inflated sense of national worth from our paranoia. How's that? Good. I read somewhere that they borrowed his lines. Did you, have you guys read that? It was on IMDb that they borrowed a bunch of his uh, one-liners from uh, some comedy show, like an underground comedy show. Oh. And in the credits, you'll see they thank... Uh, I should have printed it out, but they oh. thank that comedy show. Oh, okay. so. He does have, in my mind, some of the best one-liners. So what, like, what's one of your favorite lines by him? What's your absolute favorite line? Oh, this one for sure. Love is an illusion created by lawyer types like yourself to perpetuate another illusion called marriage. To create a reality of divorce and the illusionary need for divorce, Lars. But but here's the um, but here's the problem with the Andrew McCarthy character, uh, and Steve. But you wait, know wait, what? Again, let me just say that the people who are listening <laughs> it's the to this, Steve, actor ninety percent can't the, act. Ninety percent of the people who are listening to this are probably going to agree with Steve. Oh, I know, and, and gonna we're going to be the outliers. Uh, but I that's know. fine. That's great. This happened in the police episode too, didn't yeah. it? Or one where you didn't like some. But anyway, yeah. the Andrew McCarthy, he's so slick. You're right. His some of his lines are great and a lot of fun, but no one talks like that, and no. so they don't give him any actual. Real human moments, like no. he's constantly like zigga 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 zigga, and then all exactly. of a sudden you're supposed to feel for this guy. At the uh, end? Yeah. You know, okay, I'll give you this: of of any character in this entire movie, I empathize most with him. And if I had to compare myself to anybody in this movie, I would compare myself to him. And if there's anybody who I've ever met who's the king of the one-liners and, and, and go zing 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 zing, he's sitting right across me right now wearing oh, a black shirt. What are you talking about, like Cheshire Cat? Well, that's, that's you're a, the that's... king of the one-liners, man. I mean. You talk but exactly hurt, like... But I hurt Steve. <laughs> I'm a real and man. So does You're Andrew crying McCarthy. on the inside. I'm three-dimensional. And, and so does Andrew McCarthy. I think it could have been a better role if you had a better actor. I uh, think that's I th- part of the problem is that I love Andrew, Andrew McCarthy, McCarthy acts with his eyes. Oh, and let me tell you right now, I love... Well, once again, this was still before... Was this before Pretty and Pink? Yeah. Okay, so yes. John Hughes does it better. We have Andrew McCarthy doing his little... Otis Wet Redding tribute when he's sitting there singing Respect, playing the bongo drums. John Cryer does it like a zillion well, times better in Pretty in Pink. Aretha Franklin. I wouldn't get, well, but it's written by Otis yeah. Redding. I wouldn't get too hung up on that scene. I mean, I, oh, I would because no, I will movie. get hung up on that scene if I want to because <laughs> Listen, it's I wouldn't. totally out of place. It's totally out of place. I know. I'm saying it's like all of a sudden you just dropped well, in this picture. Just no, like, because that's, <laughs> no, because that's the part I think it was edited poorly, and I think. Do you think it's bad that he acts with his eyes? Is that a weakness? I think it is, yeah. Uh, It's because all I can ever think about is he has I like like George Clooney a lot, but he's the king of the downturned and upturned eyes. But that's I think it's always because Andrew McCarthy looks like he has the thyroid Before Kathy stabs you, another character. Okay, Demi Moore. I love her character. I do. I love Jules. You break my heart. Then again, you break everyone's heart. I'd like to date Jules for just a while. Just a couple weeks, maybe, yeah. and then get yeah. it out of your Not system. Not fall in love with her, because she'd Hell, break my heart. Yeah. But, uh, but, but she was, yeah, she wasn't bad. The whole step monster thing, I guess maybe I could relate to that a little bit, what I was going through. But, uh, yeah, she's not bad. And I feel for her, I'll tell you what, right. I feel for her 
when she's like, "Ooh, it's payday." I know. <laughs> I actually feel like, man, that's I've been there. Yeah. Yep. As oh, a yeah. writer, I'm still dirt there. poor most of my life. I yeah, I, I've been there. So that was the one time that yeah, you know, that's almost like an entry character for I love me. The line where she's like, "Well, maybe I'll be a bag lady, but I'll be the only one with alligator bags." She's a little shallow. The um. Well, you know, no, I don't see, and I. Well, Steve, I'm do you like disagree. her sexy jukebox dance? Jukebox dance. Who doesn't? Oh, uh, well, there you go. I felt I like, I, feel like I should have slipped her a twenty afterwards. I don't. Did think she she's make out like, with him? Be, did, did the rape scene happen before or after, after that? The after jukebox? that. Yeah, after, after that. Tourlands. It's not I don't a rape think scene. she's. It is a rape scene. But uh, it is. It's. I. You can tell. I mean. No. Well, this is Steve's whole hairy knuckled pursuit thing. You know. Nah. I, I she said, when you say no five times, well, you leave it alone. Yeah, Steve, go ahead. Debate that. I'm going to sit no. back and enjoy this. I'll let that one go. You'll let that one. But I have to say, I have to go back to the part where you say she's shallow. I think the thing we're supposed to come away with this is Jules is obviously trying to fill that hole she has with any, you know, with... You know, spending a bunch of money and doing a bunch of drugs because deep down she thinks she's a fraud. Yeah, I I don't know. I of all the characters in the movie, I think I have the hardest time relating to her. And yet we hear she we relate to her the most. I know Kathy. that's Isn't weird. Weird. Interesting. It's weird. She uh, how they found her for the movie is kind of interesting. She was uh, waiting. I guess back then Schumacher and John Hughes had offices in the same hallway, and oh. Demi Moore was in line to see. John Hughes's office, his people about a role, and got tired of the wait, so tore off down the hallway and went running right past Schumacher, who said, "That's the kind of girl I want for this particular role." They went and chased her down, found out yes, she is an actress, and brought her back, and she auditioned for the role and got it. And oh. then, of course, the next year she would go on, or the next year, the year after, she goes on to film uh, to appear with Rob Lowe again in About Last That's Night, yeah. where we get to see all of Demi Moore in her eternal glory before plastic surgery took over. Yeah, that's hey, one of my favorite movies. she's still looking great. Well, yeah, credit her doctors with that. But uh, uh, I don't think there's anything of what Demi Moore was left in her today. So, there you go. Kathy, you want that one? Or? That's what I have to say about that. All right, give us another character. Judd, <laughs> Judd Nelson. Douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no moral compass. But you know what? He's so villainous in this and so awful and impossible to like. That uh, it kind of, maybe it kind of works a little bit. Yeah, I think it does. You know, you but know what, what drives I me crazy. Like... Oh, I, I, I know, uh, Steve. I don't mean to jump ahead, but this has to do with the Judd Nelson character. Oh, what drives me nuts about it is the last scene where there's so much rage and passion and love supposedly yeah. in this in this triangle when they're walking away from the bus. You know. Hey guys, I, what did she say? We have to take a break, and uh, yeah. can you be friends? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Spears? Defend that! Defend that, mother bleep! <laughs> defend what? And like, let's oh. do brunch next Sunday. Oh, after I, you just, I just want to hit, hit Spears. <laughs> I want to hit his face. I don't know. It's no worse than anything of any other John Hughes movie from the <gasps> 80s where they all suddenly get wrapped up in the last five minutes. You know, uh... What are you going to do, drag it on forever? I mean, you can't no, cover No, but so. I Here's want one of them to grow a spine and say, no, I'm not going to be friends with you. And no, no. Something. Well, it's the I movies. It's the movies. What are they getting? No, 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 no. But like, a movie like 16 Candles, is a, it's, it's sold as a comedy. It's a comedy. Yeah. This was a movie, like I'm saying, that was trying to be something deeper than that. Yeah. So you, and it did so get you, wrapped you grade up. It, you grade it on a different level. Yeah. I guess. 
I guess. I mean, it's still it's still a movie. It's still a movie about a bunch of people who are supposedly twenty one years old, and um, you know, if they feel you know, if that's the way they're going to act, and that's the what way were their ages? Act. Were they all around that age? Yeah. You know, that's funny. Uh, yeah, Mayor like Winningham a, was the oldest, oldest, and pregnant at the time, even was though she? she played the virgin. What, she plays um, Wendy. How old uh, was she when she did this? In her late twenties. Late twenties. Amelia was twenty three. And what's so with Mayor Winningham's character? Here's a problem with the, the movie Amish, too: the is the that Amish Joel wardrobe. Schumacher has a is you know he was I think he was a fashion designer, wasn't he a, a, a wardrobe guy? I want I want to say he was uh, Schumacher was a war, or a set designer. The outfits they put on her are so ridiculously matronly. Yes. You didn't have to put her in eight layers in those no, stupid sweaters and the cameos, sw- oh you know, God. to do to do that. So that kind of annoys me too. Yeah. So <laughs> we've pretty much covered Mare at this point. That do we need to cover her again? Butter sam- her and her peanut butter sandwich. Oh. I was gonna take her peanut butter sandwich and her head and smash it against the wall. But you know what? I feel like I'm gonna betray you, but I kinda like the peanut butter sandwich line. I do like that. I remember but, I remember but when my my first is. apartment, I could totally relate to what she was saying there. I kind of like that, too. I thought that was natural. Well, I, I thought at least she had, yeah, she's going to have this independence, but then she goes right back and, and still Oh yeah, the, the, the end of this movie I think is just okay. a well, back I think trainer. it would have been better if she had said, you know what, Billy? No, not so much. I think maybe you need to go to New York on your own without any last-minute sex, so thanks. Yeah. That, I think that would have been a better way to have her. All right, we have one character left. Right? Allie Sheedy is Allie the Sheedy. God, the haircut she <laughs> oh, has. Wow, well. it's like uh, it's like Laura Bush. <laughs> well, she's supposed to look like. I find it ironic that she's like, "Oh my God, he's going to be a Republican," and I'm like, "Hello, you've been dressing like one uh, for the whole movie." Comment. That's great. That's a great. Can we comment. talk about the one scene that I, I think I remember most of all when you talk about Allie Sheedy, and that's this scene involving her and Andrew McCarthy. Tell me something. What do you think about our relationship as an outsider? I want you to be honest. Really. You want me to be honest? I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dangerous question. Um, well, I think I hang around you guys so much, personally, because... Well, you're all I think about. And um, I think that the reason I'm not interested in other women and why I haven't had sex in so long is because I am desperately, completely in love with you. Kevin. (laughs) Well, we won't even remember this tomorrow, huh? It is tomorrow. Excellent line. Best line of the movie, I think. Yeah. We won't remember this tomorrow. It is tomorrow. And I'm, that's, that's and I'm sorry, but I like stood up and cheered for poor Andrew McCarthy when that happened. That, you know, he finally confesses it, finally bears his soul, and she jumps him. And I'm just like, I think it would have been better if his character had really been gay and that he really had the secret crush on Alec. I loved the the prostitute that he has. I the know those dialogue. are some of the best scenes. I, the, the, too. The bro- I, th- I love what prostitute uh, accessorizes for the holidays, like I for know. Halloween. Like, and you know, I love her line. She's too. wearing she she has like a little jack o' lantern trick or treat. Yes, thing. Yeah. and so yeah, you kind of know the seasons are changing. Yeah, but I also love most, her. She's line the wisest prostitute. When she says, "He goes, I don't pay." for sex and she's like honey everyone pays for sex if you think yeah, if you're getting married you that's won't true. the um 
the thing that a lot of people quibble about with Ali Sheedy too is when the, in the sex scene with Andrew McCarthy, she's wearing her pearls the entire time, even yes. in the shower. And I remember the first time I saw that, I thought, oh, that God. is so 80s. <laughs> That's so 80s. When I was listening, again, listening to the audio commentary, uh, Schumacher explains that's actually a little tribute to a French movie called The Lovers, where a girl wears her pearls in the shower. So it wasn't like some moment of '80s quiche come back to life. It was it was truly a thought out little yeah. tribute there. So. But it kind of represented too, I think, her. Oh, I want to be on my own. I want to do this. I want to have my old career. But she kind of still wants all the material trappings that would come with being. Alex's girlfriend, Alex's <clears throat> wife, him moving up. She, you know. I predict, Steve, that uh, that we'll have a lot of listeners who will really take issue with what Kathy and I are saying and say, oh, you know, relax. It's just a guilty pleasure. But I think guilty pleasure is too easy a catch all sometimes. Sometimes it's just crap, you know, and it has to be called out as crap. So I'm just. I think uh, it would. I, you have such talent in this movie, and I think it gets bogged down well, with. By someone with bad writing sometimes. But, okay. I think there's a tremendous amount of self-importance that yeah. was behind oh, yeah. I think they were, really thought they were making a touchstone. When in fact, it kind of is, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, but keep in mind, it's his second or third movie. And I don't think he went on to do better things, though, to be he quite did, honest. Uh, what, was he, what did he do right after this one? He did Sleepers right after no, this. No, he did, he yes, did, uh, he did. Lost Boys, too. Oh, Lost, Lost Bo- Boys is a fantastic movie. He, Sleepers is Barry Levinson, isn't it? Sleepers no, is Barry Levinson. I'm sorry. I meant... Flatliners, which is interesting, I think, because almost art imitating life with Flatliners, because you from Saint Amos Fire because you have Kiefer Sutherland who meets Julia Roberts on the set of Flatliners, dumps his wife, moves in with Julia Roberts, gets caught having sex with a stripper. (laughs) She calls off the engagement and runs away with his best friend. Hmm. Kind of sounds like the plot line to St. Elmo's Fire. I, I got Who was the uh, best friend? Jason Patrick? Jason Patrick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was just something recently in the news saying, oh, I forgive Julia. Mm. Just like this year, oh, I've forgiven Julia. Jason, no, I never even got a call. <laughs> I don't forgive him. Say what you will, I still love Joel Schumacher. I know, but I just think, too, and I think we have a difference of opinion on this. I think... I think maybe unconsciously or consciously, I think Leslie sleeps... With Kevin, as a di- as a dig to Alec, because a revenge, he, well, a revenge, a because bit. he sleeps with the best friend. She could have slept with anyone after that. Well, she chooses to sleep with his best. friend. Well, the friend. same night that she finds out, she finds out that one of her best friends is secretly in love with her. I mean, yeah. uh, what would you do? I mean, you would have done the same. I think there was alcohol involved. I would. Well, and what do you mean? I would do the same. I don't think you know that, Steve. <laughs> I just like maybe to think you, you would have done the same, but <laughs> thank God it's time for name that eighties tune, the weekly segment where we name a song from the eighties, and if you can name the song title and the artist, you may win a prize. And I say may in the sense that I haven't gotten around to sending out too many prizes lately. Slacker, we're busy here at Stuck in the Eighties Land. We are. We're busy interviewing people like Nancy Wilson. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of glowing from that. Tee. Let's see. Can we can we be friends again? Because we did share Nancy. And we do. We do. Sean wasn't here for that. I it was know. a love fest, Sean. It was, was it? yeah. This it was. was. But uh, they played here last night, Hart. Yes. Fantastic show. Anyway, here was the song from our last Name That 80s Tune Challenge. 
Yes, that is Lover Boy, loving every minute of it from 1985. Fantastic. Anyway, see if you can catch this tune. That one seems a little too easy. Anyone? Sean's just kind of grinning like, please get this podcast over with. <laughs> anyway, if you think you know the song title and the artist, email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com and we'll let you know if you're a wiener. Hi, this is Vicky Ryan from Quebec, Canada, and I'm stuck in the 80s. Oh, thanks, Vicky. That's oh, great. Oh, thank you. Sorry that we had to lay you in under John Parr there. Oh, that song has been stuck in my head all week. But <laughs> did you see uh, on the special edition? Did you see? The, did you watch the video? Yeah, so funny! It's a great video. Oh my god, it's John Parr singing, and then at the end, he like comes over to all the cast are filming in it, and, he's and it's like, like <laughs> it's like he's spewing great wisdom yeah, to them, you know. Like, and he'll put his arm around Rob Lowe, and Rob Lowe will nod like, "Yeah, god, like, you are oh a man god, in motion. You, you are." It's so great. And if you're like, and, "Oh my god, if I'd only listened to you, and, then and, I would have known." And, and John Parr's hair is just oh, this hey. waterfall of badness oh it's, it's awesome it's awesome he does and them awesome. and them staring out the window Do you, can that? anyone name another john parr hit from that from the 80s <sighs> he had one other big yeah. hit yeah he did it what was, was um, it? it was um, naughty naughty <laughs> yeah That's, That's kind of weird because of all the movies that you know from the Brat Pack, this probably has less music than any other of those. Of it's their... got all those extended saxophone solos. Yeah, you had to make room for all <laughs> Rob Lowe. Hicks. What's Billy Hicks' band, band called? Billy Hicks. Hicks in the. Billy Hicks in the what? Oh, oh sorry, oh, Shh, Stormers. <laughs> oh, Billy that. Hicks in the. Oh, we know it. It was just you there. You can't say shit sandwich. God, booga the booga. We gotta talk about it. What is up with? Okay, we're gonna let's talk about our biggest pet peeves in the movie. And obviously, we know what Sean's is. Do you know where that came from? I don't. I yeah, it can't. They actually made it up on the set. That was their own little in joke that they did. Face with my microphone. It's like a Brat Pack invention that Joel then worked into the movie. You know what infuriates me is that I know that there are groups of people that continue to do that as if they've 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 claimed it as their own, and they punctuate their jokes with the boogada boogada. You know people that do that. No, but I know that they're out there, there, and I know I'm going to meet them someday, Uh and I'm just going to. They're going to email you. Oops. I was just enraged. Like, I oh, hate it so speaking much. Speaking of email, you can pour it on all your hate email for this podcast to Sean and I because we know we're going to get it. Yeah, but don't bother Steve. So send to Steve and just Steve will forward it our way. I'd I be happy to. I just wanted more. Steve's minions. Yeah, get just them. so you know. Get he, them minions. Just so you know, Steve only forwards on the bad email. That's not true. I email. I yeah, why don't you email me? 
S daily at sptimes.com. Or was W O S at sptimes.com. There you go. Email us. We will. I'll we never take get it. Any I'll of the good take stuff. it. I'd say send them viruses as well, but that would equally affect me. <laughs> no, I'm on the same <laughs> network. <laughs> they'll get they'll get sent out by the spam. Filter. I will answer okay. every single email. So final question. Final question. Okay. You've got to pick. Is this guilty pleasure, overrated, or merely bad? Merely bad. Kathy's thinking about overrated it. with a little bit of guilty pleasure. Overrated? Yeah. But something has to be considered good by somebody. Well, I guess yeah. Spears, right? Is that it's what got, Yeah, and that's why I think it's overrated. I know many but people wouldn't like that Gone love with it. the Wind be overrated oh, or like no. that is overrated. Oh, Say that was fire. Not. That's like Gone with the Wind was good. No, no, but I'm saying oh, something oh, has to be considered. Saying. Oh, I see. That what a great, yeah, you're right. a great portion of the population considers something good, and you're like, no, well, it's, it's overrated. It's funny because on my list on the blog a few weeks ago, I did a, I did a. A little entry on most overrated movies of the eighties, and I picked twenty of them. And number one, by by unanimous, uh, you know, outcry from the, from my blog nation was Top Gun. They hated Top yeah, Gun. I did too. But uh, uh, but Saint Elmo's Fire, we, we we broke that one down specifically, and I said, you know, what is this? Is this a guilty pleasure? Is it overrated? Is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? For the most part, everyone came across and said guilty pleasure. Here's what I do, okay. uh, you know, and I would, that is my vote as well. It's guilty pleasure. My job is to, um, you know, I, 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 I write, I write about music. I write about CDs, concerts. You know, I do profiles, all this stuff. And a lot of people use guilty pleasure as a catch-all. I just think it's kind of a weak way out, especially when you're a critic. It's just too. I just, it's too easy. I've tried to do it less. I mean, yeah. I probably abused it more than anybody. So. But anyway, that's a discussion for a different time. Wow. So I'm just going to say it's merely bad. Really bad. So there you go. But it's still, it still play. plays in my house because the forever fiancé loves yeah, it. Well, see? you've heard an hour now talking about this, this movie, this relic from the 80s, as we call it. Uh, you Email us at stuckinies at, at tampabay.com. You let us know what you think of it, and uh, we'll post some of the best responses on the blog. Oh, <laughs> don't do it. That's it. That's it. I'm calling I hit somebody. Okay, I'm closing up shop, okay, guys? Because I'm really concerned about Sean. Hey, so anyway, until next time, we remain here firmly stuck in the 80s. Ciao. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. To read our blog, go to blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s. Email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. A boogada boogada boogada. <laughs> ah, I, 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 I just want to smash Steve.